know, there are a few things in life like a good song. A good song can get lodged in your memory and it just won't let go. You, you know how it goes. You hear a song and, and you know, it just, it's just there. And so you're getting ready in the morning and your little daughter is, is watching uh, a rerun of Frozen and as she watches that, you hear the song, let it go, let it go. And you just can't let it go. I mean, it's in your mind from there on out. I mean, all day long. At lunchtime, you're, you're singing, let it go, let it go. You're driving down the road singing, let it go, let it go. You know how songs are. They have the power just to sort of get lodged in your brain, and, and they just stay there forever. But songs do something else to us. Songs have this, this ability to stir our emotions in the deepest places. Some of you right now can remember lyrics to songs that you sang years ago. And, and when, you, when you hear that song or when you sing that song, it transports you back to, in time. Back in time maybe to when you were in high school or maybe you were in, in college. I have a song like that, and uh, it's More Than a Feeling by Boston. And every time I hear that song, More Than a Feeling, I'm transported back to when I just turned 16 and got my license, and I was looking for an excuse to borrow the car, and so mom let me borrow her 1975 Buick Cutlass Salon. It was green, and it was really ugly. It was a horrible green. And, and I got in that car, and as soon as I was, you know, out of the parking lot and a little way down the road, I, I rolled the windows down and cranked the music up. And every time I hear that song now, I'm transported back to that time when I, when I started to feel just a little bit of freedom. Songs do that for us. Songs have this incredible power. I think that's one of the reasons why this season is so important to us. This season is such a wonderful time of year because there are all these, these emotions attached to these songs that we sing. And so what are your favorite Christmas songs? One of my favorite Christmas songs is White Christmas. I love hearing Bing Crosby croon that song. Or how about John Legend singing uh, Chestnuts Roasting Over an Open Fire? Or, or Amy Grant singing Tender, uh, Tender Tennessee Christmas? Or Michael Buble, is there not, I mean, I don't know that there's a better voice anywhere than Michael Buble. And when Michael Buble starts to sing Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, I mean, isn't that great? That's just an incredible, incredible song. I don't know that he sings that song. But we love this time of year because of all that wonderful music, all that great singing. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but when you read through Luke chapter 1 and 2, one of the things you'll see is, is all the singing that's, that's going on. And so you've got, you've got Zechariah, and when he finally gets his voice back, after he doubts the fact that his wife Elizabeth is going to have a baby, though she is old, what's the first thing he does? He begins to sing. Or how about out, out in, the, uh, in the open where the shepherds are, and as the shepherds look up into the sky and they see this, this angelic host. And what's the angelic host doing? The angelic host is singing. And I especially like in Luke chapter 2 where, where finally Jesus is born and Mary and Joseph, they bring him to the temple to be blessed. And there's Simeon. We don't know a lot about Simeon. He's this minor character. But Simeon has been waiting his whole life to see the Christ child. 
And so finally, he, he sees Jesus and this older gentleman, Simeon, he, he lifts up the baby and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What does Simeon do? Simeon starts to sing. When we contemplate this idea that, that God has entered time and space as a baby, it creates this desire within us to sing. But I'm convinced the greatest song, the greatest carol ever composed, wasn't composed by Handel or some other famous composer, but was composed by a pregnant teenage girl from a little town. It's Mary's song. And so for just a few moments during this holiday season, I want us to think a little bit about, about her song. But I think in order to understand and to fully appreciate her song, we need to know just a little bit of the backstory. And so in Luke chapter 1, an angel Gabriel appears to Mary with this amazing news. It seems like amazing news to us. But just put yourself in the shoes of an unmarried teenage girl who couldn't been, have been any more than 15 or 16 years old. Mary at this moment was betrothed to Joseph. Now, betrothal was much more permanent than engagement. It wasn't quite like that. In, in fact, in order to get out of a betrothal, you would have to literally have a divorce. But during this betrothal period, there would be no sexual relationships. That would occur following the week-long wedding ceremony. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. And she's looking forward to being married to him. And an angel appears to her. And the angel says, Mary, you are highly favored. And then he tells her that she's going to conceive and give birth to a child. His name would be Jesus, and he would occupy the throne of his father, David. And when she hears all of this news, the scripture tells us that she is troubled. In fact, it says in Luke 1.29, she is deeply troubled. She's greatly troubled. And we can understand why, can't we? I mean, like all of us, she was looking forward to a nice, normal, happy life. She was looking forward to her marriage, and, and then maybe one day down the road looking forward to children. But she knew this news that she was receiving would hurt the very people she loved the most. This would be devastating news to Joseph. I mean, would he believe all this talk about an angel and, and being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit? And what about her parents? This news would scandalize them. They would hear the whispers and the innuendos from their friends and from the local townspeople. But she also knew this was dangerous news. It was dangerous because she knew the law. She had read what you do to people who are pregnant before they have the wedding. And so Mary was in a tight, difficult spot. One day, Mary was thinking about her wedding day. She was thinking about her life with Joseph and how that she would have a baby one day. And the next thing she finds out that she's going to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and become pregnant even before she has the wedding. And she is anxious. She's troubled. Maybe during this holiday season, you're experiencing, experiencing some things in your life that, that create anxiety within you. 
And perhaps this morning you've come to this place and you're just a little bit troubled as well. And if you are, you, you might could relate to Mary. The thing we learn about Mary as we read Luke chapter 1 and 2 closely is that we see Mary was a very thoughtful woman. Mary was this young lady who treasured up all these things in her heart and she thought deeply about all the things that was being said to her. She thinks about these things. And though she is troubled and though she is anxious, Gabriel explains further and he tells her how that the child she would carry would be none other than the Son of God. And though at first she's troubled, I love how she responds next to this news. Mary ponders it all and thinks about it and treasures it in her heart. And then she said, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me just as you've said. She acquiesces. She accepts. She trusts God. And in Mary, we see an interesting paradigm, a healthy paradigm, a good paradigm for how we are to live. Uh, Oh, there are a lot of things that happen in our lives that, that, that come out of the blue, that are unexpected, that we don't understand, maybe not even at first like, and yet we we trust God, and we accept those things by faith. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Mary And so after she receives this news, she decides to head out to see her cousin Elizabeth. You see, there are times in our lives when we need to be with people who understand. We need to be around those who are going through similar experiences. When my first wife, Cindy, was diagnosed with cancer, of course it was devastating news. Um, And one of the things that God did for me through that, that season of her Uh, illness and then as she eventually passed away is that God brought about four or five men into my life who had all all either had wives who had cancer or whose wives had died from cancer and I had regular phone conversations with these guys and I found that they could understand in a way that no one else really could there were moments in my life when, when I didn't feel like I could bear up under the stress and struggle of that of that season and yet I would make a phone call to my friend And as I would talk with him, I found an extra measure of of courage, an extra measure of strength. And I wonder if it's like that for Mary. Mary gets this this incredible news, this, this overwhelming news, and the first thing she does, she heads to see her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth, by this time, is already six months pregnant with John. The contrast between Mary and Elizabeth could not be more striking. Mary is young. Elizabeth is old. Mary couldn't have dreamed of having a child like this. She, she wasn't imagining having a, having a child yet. Elizabeth longed for a child. She would prayed for a child and, in fact, had long since given up on that possibility. Mary was, would carry the very Son of God, and Elizabeth would carry the one who would point to the Son of God and prepare the way for Jesus' entrance into our world. And as Mary enters Elizabeth's presence, as as Mary greets her, I love that line in Luke 144 where it says that the baby inside of her leaped for joy. It's as if John already knows whose presence he is in. And then Elizabeth 
she says words of blessing to Mary. She says, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Mary had been deeply troubled. She finally accepts by faith that, that she's going to carry the Christ child. And now there's only one response left to this amazing news. What does Mary do now? Mary begins to sing. She breaks out in praise. You know, there are few things in this world like a good song. And this is the greatest carol ever sung because it's ultimately a song about God's grace. It is a song about how merciful and mighty our God really is. It is about how God has impacted Mary's life. And so let's talk for just a moment as we, as we work through the lyrics of this song. I like the very first, very first line in the song. I especially like how the Revised Standard Version translates it. Mary begins, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The soul, it's the deepest part of us. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. The truth is we can never completely fathom all of God. God is simply too great, too wonderful, too mighty, too loving for us to fully comprehend. We magnify God not by making Him bigger than He is. We can't do that. God is already infinite. We magnify God by making God bigger in our thoughts, bigger in our affections, bigger in our memories, bigger in our lives. We magnify God by having higher, larger, truer thoughts about Him. But have you noticed we often magnify everything but God? We magnify our fear. We have this little fear, and it just kind of nags at us. And yet we magnify it. We make it big. And because we make that fear in our life big, what does it do? It creates in us these, these destructive negative thoughts. We magnify our worries. Because we take a worry and we make it larger than it, it should be, we get caught up in the what ifs. What if I get sick? What if something happens to my kids? What if the procedure doesn't work? What if the medicines don't work? What if I get fired? What if I don't get the promotion? What if, and we go on and on, we, we take a fear or a worry and we magnify it. We have this, this thing that we've made big in our life, and that tends to dwarf our tiny little perspective of God. But not Mary. Oh no, she, she magnifies God. Friends, when we have a big God, everything else is small by comparison. Now that's such a good statement, I'm going to say it again. When we have a big God, everything else is small by comparison. Amen? And brothers and sisters, the good news I bring to you today is that we do have a big God. And so we, we look at Mary, and Mary magnifies God. But how do we know if, if we're magnifying God in our life? Well, look at the very next part of the verse. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit, notice, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Here's the truth. 
what you magnify in your life is where, your ultimate, where you find your ultimate and deepest joy. What you magnify is, is where you find your ultimate and deepest joy. For some of us, we magnify our position. I mean, the thing that really gives us the deepest joy is when, when someone calls us by our title or when, when you know, we, we have this position that we just take a lot of joy in. Others, others of us, we magnify our kids. We magnify our relationship. Some of us, we magnify money. That's the biggest thing in our lives. Others of us, we magnify a job. What we magnify, what we make really big in our lives, tends to give us the greatest sense of joy. But, but Mary doesn't magnify those things. Those things were okay for her. But this passage says Mary magnifies who her Lord and as a result of that she had a deep sense of joy I'm convinced that when we magnify God God blesses us in the other areas of our life God makes everything else better I think one of the reasons I, I love being here on Sundays I can't wait to get here on Sunday mornings I can't wait to get here because I get to praise God I get to magnify God and that fills my heart with joy I get to magnify the Lord, and that, that sets my week right. I'm reminded of who is God. I like how Mary describes God. She describes him as one who is mighty and merciful. She says in verse 49, For the mighty one has done great things for me. We know that God did great things for Mary. Though it was tough and difficult when she received this news that she was going to bear the Christ child, she was given an incredible blessing. She, she was the one others would call her blessed because God of all the women, God chose her to bear his son. Now I know there's some unique things about Mary, but I think all of us in this room, if we're honest, we could say the mighty one has done great things. For me i know i can say that and the mighty one has done great things for you i want to give you a spiritual discipline it's a simple spiritual discipline friends that can change your life if you take two to three minutes every day and you just just think about all the ways god has done great things for you 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 will be blessed so i'm driving down the road yesterday i'm on the way to get my cleaning and I'm driving down the road, and I just begin thinking, and this sermon is on my mind. And so I begin thinking about all the ways God has blessed me. And I begin thinking, well, I've got a car, and it works. That's great. And I look, and I see the power lines, and I think, wow, God has blessed us with, with power. I can, I can, you know, turn on a TV or turn on a computer, whatever. I've got, I've got power. I can turn on heat and air conditioning. And as I'm driving down the road, I, I see and I begin to think about how God's blessed me with children and a great wife. And on and on, and I began thinking, God has blessed me with a, a body that, that though it's got its problems, it's, it still works. I'm able to do all the things that I, I wish to do. I'm not able to do the kinds of things as well as I used to do, but I'm still able to do all the things that I wish to do. And I just began, took two to three minutes to think about the ways God has done great things in my life. And on top of all of that, he saved me from my sin. He's filled me with the Holy Spirit, and I get to be in eternity with heaven in a little while. And as I began to think about all the ways God has done great things in my life, my heart began to fill 
with gratitude. And I began to repent of my presumptuousness. I began to repent of the times when I have a negative or spirit. God has blessed us. And that's what Mary sings about. She sings about God's might, and then she sings about God's mercy. She says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Suddenly, we are included in this song. Great songs are really specific and personal, but now she includes us. And then she begins to sing about all that God does. God scatters those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Many Many have no joy in their hearts because they don't think about God. God scatters them. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and he's lifted up the whole of the humble. Our God chose to do his work through a, a little teenage virgin girl. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. Brothers and sisters, this is a revolutionary song. Our God reverses the world's values. Our world values things like pride and power and riches. And yet all through Jesus' ministry, Jesus would say things like, the first will be last and the servant will be the greatest of all. Jesus, he wore, he wore a crown, but Jesus' crown was not made of jewels. His crown was made of thorns. Jesus, the, he had a, a purple robe on him signifying royalty. Yet that robe was something that some, some soldiers had found and they draped it across his bleeding, beaten back. Jesus had a throne. But his throne was a cross. So Mary, she is filled up with God. And so she sings of God's mercy and God's greatness and God's holiness. You see what you're full of will eventually come out. So my question for you this morning is during this season, this season when we're singing, what is your song? What is in your heart? During this season, are you singing a sad song? Is your song more of a dirge? During this season, are you singing a song that's true and right? During this season, is your song a selfish song? Is it primarily about you? During this season, is this song like Mary's song, a song of praise to God about how God has impacted and blessed her life? I read this line this week that I wanted to share with you. It's just too good. Someone says theology becomes biography then it turns into doxology think about that for just a second theology what you believe about god it's not just a concept or an idea or an abstract doctrine but theology becomes biography it it impacts your life let it impact your life and when your theology becomes personal it becomes your story it becomes your biography then it turns into doxology it turns into praise You see, when we don't worship very well, when we come into a place and we kind of mumble through the songs, we kind of go through the stuff, what that says to me is we don't have a, a big view of God. Theology becomes biography, and when it's impacted your life, you can't wait to be here Sunday. You can't wait to assemble. You can't wait to be in this room. And like Mary, her song fills your heart. You can't wait to express praise 
to God. In many ways, Mary's story and Mary's song is unique. God gave her his son to be formed in her body. And yet in another way, God desires for what happened to Mary to happen to you. During this season, God desires to form his son in us. And so today I'm asking,